Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. So more insurrectionists are being arrested every day for what they did at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Two questions continue to bubble up. One, why do they seem to be charged with low-level offenses? And two, Why are the judges releasing them pending trial rather than detaining them, rather than ordering them jailed pending trial? And does any of this really look like equal justice for all? Let's talk about that. Because justice matters. Hey all, Glenn Kirshner here. So today I want to try to take on two issues. Um, I've heard the same two questions asked over and over again, and they're really good questions. One is a little bit easier to answer, and the other one is a little less easy. So the first question is, why are so many of the insurrectionists being charged with relatively low-level offenses? And then the second question is, why are the judges releasing so many of the insurrectionists after they've been locked up, they've been presented to the court, and now they have to come back for their trial? Why are so many of them being released instead of detained, instead of jailed, pending further proceedings in their case? Let me start with the one that's a little bit easier to answer. And that is, why are so many insurrectionists being charged with what sound like low-level offenses, right? Unlawfully entering a federal facility with the intent to commit an offense therein. Basically a glorified trespass. Well, here's why. And it's actually part of the blueprint that we, that prosecutors use when we're investigating large cases in the grand jury. What we often do is we start by arresting people on the, on the low-level charges, on the readily provable charges, and that charge is kind of a placeholder. And they are arrested, they're presented to the court, and they're either ordered detained or they're ordered released pending further hearings in their case. And then what we do is we continue to investigate in the grand jury. And folks, the insurrection at the Capitol is a big case. It's a big case, not only because so many people were involved on January 6th in storming the Capitol, trying to stop the certification of Joe Biden's win, trying to, in essence, overthrow the incoming government. That's a big case. But 
there's also a lot to be investigated in the run-up to January 6th. The people who incited it, the people like Donald Trump and Don Jr. and Giuliani and Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and the rest of them, right? All of this has to be investigated in the grand jury. And what the grand jury will ultimately do is they will assimilate all of that information, all of that evidence, and the prosecutors will recommend charges to them. And those charges, folks, at the end of the day, I am quite sure will include things like seditious conspiracy and insurrection. And the grand jury has to figure out who is a member of the conspiracy. And it may not just be one conspiracy. There may be multiple conspiracies with the same goal, with the same mission of overthrowing the incoming administration. But there's a lot to sort out in the grand jury. So that's why often prosecutors will bring that first charge and it will sound like a low-level charge. But then we build in the grand jury to the greater charges, to the most serious charges. And here's the thing, folks, as the FBI goes around the country locking up these insurrectionists day after day, each and every time they lock up one of the insurrectionists, you know what they do? They take them back to the local FBI field office, they Mirandize them, read them their Miranda rights, and if the insurrectionist, the defendant, waives his or her rights, they interrogate them. And they try to extract a confession, which is not hard to do, I'm guessing, with respect to these insurrectionists, not as tough as they like to think they are. And after they get a confession, they ask the all-important question, why? What was the motive? Why did you storm the Capitol? Why did you do what you did? And you know what these people are saying because you heard them saying it on tape the day of. Donald Trump told us to. Donald Trump told us the people in that building stole the election, stole my vote. And Donald Trump told me to go down there and stop the steal. He told us to be strong. He told us to take what's ours. And you don't stop the steal by politely walking down to the Capitol, standing outside and waving to the members of Congress, excuse me, would you mind not certifying the vote count for Joe Biden because Donald Trump told us you stole it from us. He told us to get in there and stop the steal. All of that information, folks, coming out of the mouths of these insurrectionists when they're being interrogated by the FBI, that is evidence. It's evidence that will be used to build a seditious conspiracy case and an incitement to insurrection case against Donald Trump, Don Jr., Rudy, and the rest of them. And then what we're going to have to decide, what the prosecutors are going to have to decide is which insurrectionists do we give plea offers to and have them sign cooperation agreements. Flip them so that we can use them, we can present their testimony, we can present them as witnesses in future trials against the bigger fish. That's the blueprint for a big grand jury investigation. 
So I would say don't be so concerned with these first placeholder charges because what will happen is you'll see more indictments coming out for these same people and the charges will begin to build. We return what we call superseding indictments as we continue to investigate, get more information before the grand jury, and we build to the bigger charges. That's hopefully the answer to the first question, why are we seeing low-level charges? Second question is a little bit tougher. Why are the insurrectionists being released after they tried to overthrow the government, after they violently entered the capital, after they destroyed property, they assaulted people, some people were killed. Why are they being released after they're arrested and brought before the judge? Okay, let me first give you the academic answer, the legal answer, the textbook answer, and then we'll talk about the real world. Here is the textbook answer. The bail reform laws over the years, and there have been two big bail reform laws passed in the federal courts, in the federal practice, the Bail Reform Act of 1966 and the Bail Reform Act of 1984. And here is where we are right now with respect to the bail laws. When somebody is hauled before a judge for the first appearance after being arrested, the first eyeball to eyeball with a judge, the judge has to decide one of two things if the judge is going to order that defendant, that insurrectionist, in our discussion, detained, jailed, pending trial, pending further proceedings in his or her case. The judge has to decide that the defendant is either a danger to the community or any person in the community or is a flight risk. And when I say a flight risk, somebody that if released, pending further proceedings in his case, he'll run. He will not come back to court for his future court hearings. So in the law, there is a presumption in favor of pretrial release. So judges ordinarily are supposed to look at every case with a view toward releasing somebody prior to trial rather than jailing them, rather than detaining them, because they haven't been convicted of anything yet. So there's a presumption in the law in favor of pretrial release. And it's only if the judge can find one of those two things, danger to the community or flight risk, that the judge can order that person jailed, detained, pending trial. And there's a standard that the judge has to employ to determine if the defendant is a danger to the community or a flight risk. It's called clear and convincing evidence. And it's a fairly high standard, a fairly high evidentiary burden, right? You know, there are much lower evidentiary burdens in the law, reasonable suspicion, probable cause, preponderance of the evidence, clear and convincing evidence, which is not as high as beyond a reasonable doubt, which is the highest burden we have in the law, that's to convict somebody at trial. But clear and convincing evidence is up there. So just stay with me and think about this. At that first hearing that an insurrectionist has after being arrested, the judge would have to conclude by clear and convincing evidence that the defendant is a danger to the community or a flight risk and that no conditions of release, including home detention, electronic monitoring, GPS monitoring, 
no conditions that the court could set would protect the community or guarantee the defendant would return to court if released. It's a fairly high burden. Here's the other thing that may complicate matters. Many of these insurrectionists don't have a criminal record because when you're presented in court for that first eyeball to eyeball with the judge and you have already been convicted of a crime of violence or you've already been convicted of bail jumping, a Bail Reform Act violation, what we call a BRA, well then the court has a demonstrated history that you're a danger to the community or a flight risk and it makes it much easier for the court to conclude by clear and convincing evidence that you should be jailed, you should be detained pending indictment and trial. So that's the academic, the legal, the textbook answer as to why these insurrectionists are being released rather than detained pending further proceedings in their case. Now let's talk about the real world angle. If these insurrectionists were people of color, do you think more of them would be detained? Do we have systemic racism in the criminal justice system, in our country, in our history? I'm afraid that is part of the real world reason that maybe some judges, not all, don't forget, we have a lot of Mitch McConnell not qualified judges in the mix these days, but we're going to unpack the courts. I've talked about that before, and I'll be talking about that again. But if these insurrectionists were people of color, I would bet you anything more of them would be detained pending trial rather than released. And I, for one, am holding fast to the lines delivered by Joe Biden right in the middle of his inaugural address when he said a cry for racial justice some 400 years in the making moves us. The dream of justice for all will be deferred no longer. And I love Joe Biden for making that a centerpiece of his inaugural address And now we're going to hold Joe Biden and his administration to that promise, to that dream. That will be deferred no longer. As always, folks, thank you for sticking with me, especially when I get long-winded and when my blood pressure rises. Um, But sticking with me through these daily videos, we're going to keep at it until that dream of justice for all is realized. It's going to take a minute, but justice is energizing and justice matters. And as always, folks, thank you for tuning in to these daily videos. If you would like to more formally support our all-volunteer efforts and our content, uh, you can go over to patreon.com. You can sign up to become a patron. And if you do, I'll send you some Team Justice stickers and a personal handwritten note of thanks. You can also find me over on Facebook, Justice Matters, with Glenn Kirshner. And, of course, on Twitter, all day and night, trying to answer your legal questions as best I can. 
Uh, at Twitter, it's at Glenn Kirshner 2 So as always, folks, stay tuned, stay safe, and I look forward to talking with you all again tomorrow. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.